Active FM presents Food for Thoughts with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensler. We're continuing with a series, The Secret to a Life of Miracles. And today I want to talk to you about seeing the world through God's eyes. And uh, leading up to this was what we spoke about last week, which was moving into a whole new world in your thought life. It's very important that you understand that every single way that we think without Christ, every single thing we believe without Jesus is wrong. We, we see what we think is reality, but we're deceived. And the thing that you need to understand is that the only way to overcome that deception is to start understanding the Word and understanding what it is that God did for you on the cross through the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. And um, this understanding and this thought is the clue to seeing cities and nations being discipled to the Lord, to seeing people being saved, to see the conversion of culture so that no longer are people cursed, no longer are people down and out and downtrodden, but they have victory in Jesus' name. Now, we started off last week by talking about the fact that the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Alright, without faith it is impossible to please God. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 22 said, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. So I want you to think about that. Every city has a stronghold. Every city has something that rises up against the knowledge of God. And a wise man or a wise woman will scale that city. They'll rise to a position of providence and they will tear down the stronghold in Jesus' name. The main issue that you have when it comes to strongholds is something you trust in other than God. And when you have something that you trust in other than God, you have to realize that a stronghold is a hiding place for the demonic. And we've been speaking about this from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, for a number of weeks now, where it says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What I want you to realize, and this is what we focused on last week, is that thinking incorrectly empowers the enemy and it creates a safe place for him to hide within our patterns of thoughts. And when he's hiding, we don't even know that he's there. And if we start looking at things like fear and resentment and bitterness and envy and judgment and jealousy and all of these things, they will always attract the information they need to legitimize their existence. And the worst is when you come and you spiritualize it and you spiritualize your issue and you have a verse to quote that backs up what you're saying. You will get all the information you need to legitimize the existence of that thinking, but there are demonic forces that are hiding in there. And they are wreaking havoc in your thought life. And as they're wreaking havoc in your thought life, they're bringing about destruction in your life. How do you know if you've got these kind of thoughts? It's any time, any time you've got any sort of thinking that discounts redemption. That discounts the Lord Jesus Christ. That discounts the Lamb of God who sits on the throne for eternity. 
that this counts the solution of eternity. When we are thinking God thoughts, we will be eternally reminded of the grace that we have from the Lamb of God. We will be reminded every second of the day. And we are one day going to live with Him where we are going to remember forever that we were redeemed. We will remember forever that we were redeemed from the power of the enemy. And so, when we start getting to that place, only then do we start getting to the place where we can start seeing the world through God's eyes. And I want you to think about how different the world is going to look to you if you are seeing the world through God's eyes. If you are seeing the world the way God is seeing the world. And in order for that to happen, from that verse that we read last week, we've got to understand that the weapons to cast down strongholds where we trust ourselves, others, or things. What are those weapons? The strongholds exist in your mind. What do you trust yourself with over, over God? What do you trust other people with over God? What things do you trust over God? Anything you trust over God is a problem. And so what the Apostle Paul says is that you, you've got to pull down the strongholds. And where do you pull them down? You've got to pull them down in your mind first. How do you pull them down? You've got to write everything that you think against Scripture. Every single thought. If you're not writing it against Scripture, you're not pulling the strongholds down, they remain. And the enemy can continue to, 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 to sow his destruction. Now, here's the thing. You pull down those strongholds in your mind first. It's no point going around and speaking to other people. They've got to be torn down in your mind first. And then once that happens, you can be positioned to impact culture. Every stronghold that you have has a lie behind it. Every stronghold that is in your mind has a lie behind it that is deceiving you. And you know, even when you lie to other people, I don't know if you realize, but there's a stronghold in your mind and you yourself are deceived. There's a demonic power behind all the lies. And what does that demonic power do? Right there in your mind, it wages war against the knowledge of God. It wages war against the knowledge of what God can do in your life. It wages war against the knowledge of the purpose of God for your life and what God wants to do in you, through you, and for you. It wages war against the knowledge of eternity. When you battle in an area in your own life, then what happens is you can become judgmental with others. You see it in the lives of others. And you complain about them when you're exactly the same. It's only when you can overcome the stronghold. It's only when you can get on top of it that you can see it in others. And instead of speaking about it, either to them or to anyone else, you can begin to pray about it. I want you to think about what's going on now. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of COVID around. Never mind COVID, but there's a lot of people that have flu. And then there's a confusion, is it flu or COVID? And then there's people that have tuberculosis. And they're dying. 
And there's people that have cancer and they're dying. And abortions are taking place. And all of these things are going on. It's in a time like this, when bad things are happening in your neighborhood, when bad things are happening in your family, that you've got to declare by the blood of Jesus. It stops here in Jesus' name. And you've got to come and declare by the blood of Jesus. It stops here and by the blood of Jesus and by the word of God and by us speaking and declaring the word of God uh, with faith, we destroy the demonic power behind everything that is going on right now. And we've got to do it with passion. And we've got to do it with strength. We've got to start changing what we say. What do you do with a stronghold? You've got to pray about it. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to ask God for spirits of revelation right now to be released to counter the lie. What is the lie? I'm going to die of COVID. What is the lie? Divorce is the answer. What is the lie? Abortion is the answer. What is the lie? Stealing is the answer. Right now, you've got to ask for a spirit of revelation with inside of yourself that what the Bible says is true and that you can trust God, that you don't go to these other things. And so prayer is a huge weapon in the battle. It really is a huge weapon in the battle. And, and, and the enemy is working overtime to make you think that prayer doesn't matter. To make you think that prayer has no power. To make you think that prayer cannot overcome giant obstacles. And also praise. You know, when we're declaring a praise of God, even when it's cold in winter or wherever, Understand that praise is a huge weapon in the battle. Because when I start praising God, I am declaring His greatness. And what do I do? I declare His greatness against the lies that war against the knowledge of God. I want to say that again. I declare His greatness against the lies that are waging war in my mind against the knowledge of God. I want to tell you that prayer and praise... In terms of what you're doing with your mind, along with reading the Word, are the greatest weapons that you have. And in order to tear down those strongholds, you've got to start exercising those, those, those gifts that you have from Almighty God. Because God desires that we have a stronghold of the knowledge of the goodness of God. I want to say that to you again. God desires that we have a stronghold of the knowledge of the goodness of God. God desires that He is our stronghold. In Nahum 1 verse 7 it says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. I want you to think about what that's saying, a few key points there. The the Lord is good. Do you believe that God is good? Or have circumstances that have gone in your life undermine that thought? Undermine that foundational belief that the Lord is good? That the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble? In the day of trouble, is the Lord the first person that you go to? Is the presence of God the first place that you seek out in the day of trouble? And then it says this key thing, and this is powerful, and he knows those who trust in him. You know, in order to know that the Lord is good, there has to be a supernatural revelation. 
It's, a, it's something that comes to you supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. It's something that comes to you supernaturally when you undertake to, to entertain the Word and to dare to believe it. People who understand the goodness of God in their heart automatically have a hiding place when trouble comes. Automatically have a stronghold in which they dwell. And it's a strong fortress that the Bible says even if the enemy comes in like a flood, it will stand. Now, how do do you know if the Lord is your fortress? Because there is evidence. And the evidence is what do we trust in when things and problems come up? You know, it's easy. It's easy when repeated problems come up in people to blame it on their character. I want to say something to you. This is something that the Lord's been speaking to me about. Do you know that God has brought people in your life that are doing nothing wrong? But they rub you up the wrong way. And you're talking about their character. But God is using them to sort out an issue in your character. How does God reveal strongholds to us? One of the ways is that people come into our lives, especially in an environment like the church, where there's nothing that they're doing that is wrong. But somehow they just irk us. And we, we say it's their character. And then we get to a place of hopelessness where we say, for this person, and it could even be a disciple, it could be your leader, it could be a colleague in the church, it could be someone that you come to church with, that you get to this place of hopelessness. And what you're saying is, you're declaring this person is outside of God's reach. You know, anytime I look at someone, and anytime I say this, I'm removing myself from being part of God's redeeming solution in that person's life. I really want you to think about that today. We often are are, are exposed to our strongholds by people that are in our lives. Now obviously if we come into contact with someone that is a serial killer or something like that, it's obvious there's a problem there. But you know, many, many times people just irritate us. And the thing is, God wants something to change inside of us because what does the Bible say? Love is not irritable. Now looking at people, looking at problems, looking at situations in your life. Many times as Christians, our theology says one thing. We say we believe X, Y, and Z. We say we are people of faith. We say this, we say that. But our lifestyle is different. The way things work out in our life is different. Which problems do your lifestyle say God can't solve? You know, I really believe COVID-19 has exposed this. People have said, I'm a person of faith. People have said, I declare the goodness of God. I'm just so blessed, brother, my brother, my sister, I'm just so blessed... I'm just so blessed that now I'm stressed. There's a contradiction there. There's a huge contradiction there. What are the problems that you have in life 
that your lifestyle says God can't solve this problem. Understand that your lifestyle is fueled by your thought life. The thought patterns that are fueling your life need to be transformed. And here's a key thing. And if you learn nothing else from today, understand this. A thought pattern is only transformed when I see through the eyes of Jesus. I want to say that to you again. A thought pattern is only transformed when I see through the eyes of Jesus. You know, some time ago I spoke on the situation from Genesis chapter 14 verse 22 where Abraham cries out, he says, With raised hands I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high. This is Abraham who in Genesis chapter 12 was promised the son of the promise, Isaac. In Genesis chapter 14, he's saying, I've raised my hand and sworn an oath to God most high. He doesn't have the son yet. If we knew God the same way Abraham knew him, our view of things in the world around us would change instantly. In a moment, we would see the whole world different. We would see people in our lives differently. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8b, For one official is eyed by a higher one. Over both of them are others higher still. So Solomon is talking about every person that is in authority has higher authorities, and then the higher one has a higher one, and and, and everyone has a higher authority until you get to God. Because God is the highest authority in the universe. And we've got to start living as if God is the God, the authority of authorities over COVID-19 and over every blessed curse that is going on in the world today. That God is the God who is even the authority over death itself. Over the coffin, over the grave, that God is the authority over that. Abraham was able to persevere in God because he came to know him as al God the Most High. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And that ever abundant provision comes from al Ever abundant provision. That everything we need is provided. By really knowing Him in this dimension, we gain a true and a correct perspective on life. Until you have that belief, until you have that revelation, until that is what rules your life, you do not have a correct perspective on life. What you believe about life is wrong. Through this you start to see things from the highest place. Just like when you're flying in an airplane and you look down and you see something from a high altitude. I don't know if you've ever been in an airplane, but if you're in an airplane, you can be flying above a very high mountain range and the mountain range almost looks flat. You see, if if you're seeing things through the eyes of God, the things that seem like Mount Everest to you while you're on the ground become almost like a piece of flat land. When you're looking from God's perspective. Even skyscrapers look small from an airplane. They look like they're little toy blocks of Lego. Our vision changes drastically when we know the most our God. Because from that point on we begin to see things from the height that He sees them. And what used to be difficult becomes easy. The great becomes small and the impossible transforms into the possible. God revealed himself to Abraham as one who is above everything. There's nothing that's above God. Cancer is not above God. Death is not above God. The government is not above God. The United Nations is not above God. 
Okay, the law of gravity is not above God. Whatever you can think of is not above God. If you heard that there's a big asteroid coming to earth, you know, like some of those movies, and then it's going to hit the earth and there's going to be, I don't know, whatever. You know, it's going to be catastrophic. You're going to have tsunamis like you've never seen before. God is above that asteroid. God revealed himself to Abraham as the one who's above everything. And this places God as being the one who's the supreme judge. The one who will define the final destiny of every being. Whether that be a man or a woman. Whether that be an angel or a demon. God is the supreme, the supreme judge. The supreme court is not the supreme judge. The constitutional court is not the supreme uh, judge. The international court is not the supreme judge. God is the supreme judge. And the final destiny of everyone will be decided by him. There's not, not a single thing that is greater or more powerful than our God. And that is why Abraham declares this in Genesis 14, 22 and 23. With raised hand I've sworn an oath to the Lord. God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of, of sandal, so that you will not be able to say I made Abraham rich. Now what had happened here was that Abraham had, had to save Lot, his nephew, and he had to save Sodom. And you know Sodom and Gomorrah? Yep, the same Sodom. And um, the king of Sodom wants to come and he wants to reward Abraham for the battle. But Abraham never let his heart be attached to anything in this world. I want to say that to you again. He never let his heart be attached to anything in this world. And so, before coming to the king of Sodom, before speaking to him, he tied everything he had to Melchizedek, the high priest. And you know, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, our Savior. And because he tithed, because he believed in God as being his source, he immediately rejected every offer made by the king of Sodom because he did not want to take away from the glory of God in anything. He did not want the king of Sodom to be able to say, I made Abraham rich. He also did not want people to think that his prosperity had come from the king of Sodom and not from the Most High God. In order to refuse money like that, in order to refuse things like that, it really takes a revelation that God is the God Most High. It really takes a revelation that God is on the throne. That he is your provider. It really takes a revelation of what King David was speaking about when he wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Which means I shall not be in lack. Which means everything that I have is provided for. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Okay, where the Lord lays me, lays me down, there is provision. There is abundance. I have peace. Do you know this? Do you know this, God? Do you see the world through God's eyes? One of the things that we've seen already in the series is that God wants to reveal all of these mysteries to us through the Holy Spirit.
But we've got to start accepting his word as if it's true. If the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed, we've got to start believing that. We've got to start trusting God for that. We've, we've got to stop being afraid of every little thing that comes along. Here's the reality. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. So trouble is going to come. He didn't say you may have trouble. He didn't say watch out or you'll have trouble. He said in this world you will have trouble. And you know, we normally read that passage at funerals. Because when you're at the funeral of someone you love, how many of you realize that's trouble? But then he says this, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. You know how we know he's overcome the world? Because he overcame death. And I want to ask you today, is that real to you? Is that real to you? Because we're living in a time where we thought everything was controllable. We thought, you know, with all of our technology and all of our this and all of our that, that we can control everything. And I remember prior to the lockdown, I would preach and say, you're not in control. Well, the funny thing is you don't really have to say that anymore. Because anyone who's living like they can be in control looks like a fruitcake. Really, they look stupid. The person who is acting like they're in control now, I look at them and, and, and the, the picture it reminds me of, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've seen one of those homeless people that have lost their minds and maybe they're on a street corner and they're shouting at someone, but the someone they're shouting at is fresh air. I mean, honestly, if, if you believe you're in control today, my goodness, what planet are you living on? Maybe you're already on Mars with Elon Musk. I don't know. Because you don't have to preach about that. People are experiencing a world out of control all the time. Now, here's the key thing. What that's supposed to do is lead you to the Lord. Not into a place, into a room where you're just freaking out. It's supposed to lead you to the Lord. The Lord is supposed to be a stronghold. You're not supposed to have strongholds. The Lord is supposed to be a stronghold. In every time of trouble. Every time of trouble. No matter what it is that you're going through. And for every human being, the worst thing that they're going to go through is death. But you know there in Psalm 23, King David said, Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The actual translation means, Surely goodness and mercy will hunt me down all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, if you're living with the knowledge that you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, my goodness, there's nothing better than that. You're going to live forever if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I do have to give you that provision. The book of Revelation says if we do not accept Jesus our Lord and Savior because he died for our sins, if we do not accept him, our destiny is not going to be a good one. But for everyone who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Bible says that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, when they come and they face the Lord one day in glory, guess what's going to happen? 
the lamb's going to stand up for them. And they are justified before God. They are justified before Him. Which means God sees you as He sees Jesus. Because He sees your life the way He saw the life of Jesus. And Jesus' life was perfect. And a great exchange takes place when you give your life to Jesus. You come to the cross and there's this great exchange that takes place. You give yourself over to Him. This is why you don't want to keep any part of your life. And you will never see the world through God's eyes if you don't give everything to Him. And so you give everything to Him and what does He give you in exchange? He gives you the life of Jesus. And then the Bible says, when you have that faith, when that faith is real, as Jesus goes in the world, so are you. That's what the Bible says. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 says, but what does it say? The world is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Do you believe that Jesus can save you from your sin? Do you confess that Jesus can save you from your sin? Do you confess that he's the Lord of your life? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? That's it. <laughs> if you do that, you're saved. If you do that, you're saved. Even when you get baptized, what are you doing? You're making a confession of that. Publicly. You're saved. And I want to tell you today that it's important that you take Jesus seriously because, yes, your eternal destiny is at stake. It is at stake. And don't say, I'll, I'll do this later. Don't say, I'll think about it another time. Because this is the time. This is the place. This is the place to give everything over to the Lord. You come at the altar and you sacrifice your life to the Lord. And when you do that, you're saying, Lord, this is the time. You're saying, now is the time I want to commit to you. Lord, I want to commit to you because I've been in control for so long and it hasn't worked out too well. People around me, maybe you even think, people around me think I'm successful. People around me think I'm great. But inwardly, I'm smashed. And so, Lord, I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life to you right now. Because I want to know that from today on, that I'm walking with you, that I'm not alone, that, that no matter where I end up, I will not be alone. I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to live close to you from this day on. I want to live close to you because I know one day I'm going to face death. And when death comes around for me, I want to know that it won't affect me. And it won't affect me because I'll be with you. I want to know that what Psalm 23 says, Yeah, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Lord, I want to know that kind of assurance. Lord, I want to know that kind of faith. Lord, I want to know that kind of trust. Lord, I'm begging that you'd reveal yourself to me today. And so I'm going to ask everyone right now, just right where you are, just to close your eyes. 
And if you're here at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you right now, if you're needing to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been listening today, and um, the Lord's been speaking to you, and He's been saying to you, I want you to, to recommit yourself to have that kind of faith. Or maybe you've never given your life, but the Lord's speaking to you for the first time. Then if you're here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you're watching or listening via the audio, I'm going to ask you to email us at info at activechurch.org. That's info at activechurch.org. And just say, I've given my life to Jesus today. Put your contact details. Or say, I've recommitted my life to Jesus today. And put your contact details. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be in contact with you. Please make sure that you send the email. We really want to walk with you in this journey. And right now, I want you to visualize Jesus. Just see the Lord Jesus. And see him remembering that he died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. But that the Bible says that this Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago, he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And the blood that he shed over 2,000 years ago, he's still washing the sins of people away. Because, you know, when Jesus died in that moment, on the cross at Calvary, something happened in the spiritual. Something happened in eternity. And eternity is not bound by time. Right then in that moment, all your sin was forgiven. All your sin was forgiven. All you have to do to receive that forgiveness is to receive Him. But it is done. There's a debt that you have before God because of sin. But in a moment when you give your heart to Jesus, that debt is paid. And that blood is, so, is, 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 is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago on the day that Jesus shed His blood. Because that blood was the price that was paid. And that blood will wash all our sins away. So we're going to pray together right now. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Everyone's going to repeat, but those of you who raise your hands, just mean this prayer. For if you mean this prayer, the Lord's going to do something awesome in your life. And so just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. It was the price you paid for all my sin. I'm asking you, Lord, to set me free right now. From any sickness and any pain. I declare that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. That you'd set me free. And that you'd give me the revelation. That my debt is paid in full. There is no outstanding balance. Because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I believe that by your blood, I'm justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And by your blood, I'm, I'm sanctified. And you've chosen me to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart. I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
arms are out of joint I'm crying out day by day and by night I find 